Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 308, Being Prepared for the Studio. Indie Music Podcast now has a Patreon at patreon.com slash indie underscore music cast, and we invite you to become a member for exclusive benefits. For next to nothing per month, you can get members-only podcast video, early access to upcoming episodes, merch, and more. This morning, Matt and I get together for coffee and discuss being prepared before going to the studio, whether that be for pre-written parts or improvisation. We also get into being prepared for production so you can get from setup to producing as fast as possible. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Hey, good morning, Doug. Hey, good morning. What's up? We never do level checks anymore. Level. Check, check, check. Level, level, check, check. That's because we never touch anything. <laughs> never. We never. never touch any dials, never change anything in the studio. I have like post-its. Do not touch. Do never not install any new software. <laughs> Which I just upgraded uh, my DAW right before the meeting. Well, that's what happened that that weekend that, that um, my file didn't get saved i had never intended to upgrade logic because it was so stable at 10.5 and i was not going to change it anytime soon and then it upgraded to 10.7 when i wasn't you know i didn't tell it to and uh it was open when it happened and so when i went to save that file it didn't it didn't save and it didn't let me quit and it was just a it was a mess well thankfully we have zoom backups for Less, yes, not but you, you do, your, you do a magic thing to the, you know, to make the zoom audio actually sound good. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of vocal auto audio editing tricks up my sleeve after a couple of years. Of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. After working with me for a couple of years, your audio editing skills are, you know, weekly, the, weekly podcast editing it really kind of gets your chops up. Yeah. Do you recommend that for people who are looking to get their, uh, audio? editing chops up well i mean i recommend regular practice of anything for anything that anybody wants to do well do it constantly like uh practicing before you come in the studio or something like that yeah you know that kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) that was a quick transition (laughs) Uh, Uh, what happened to the banter we got to catch up and talk about weather and (laughs) (laughs) that's what people are here for they want to know how the weather is yeah it's cold here. Yeah. It's not cold at Matt's place. Although he, well, it is. Although he thinks it's cold, but everything. that's because he's kind of a, you know, a Bay Area guy. I consider the 30s to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, it warms up to 70 or whatever, but, you know, in the meantime. <laughs> I love it when we have guests up uh, from, like, Florida or somewhere, right. you know, in the wintertime. And uh, yeah. uh, a lot of them actually came from here. But... Uh, you know, the coats and, you know, well, well, look at me, I've got a jacket on. This is what I, you know, the kind of, uh, level of clothing that I wear through the winter, you know, but, uh, but parkas and things. Um, I don't think you can buy those in Florida. Where I don't think they sell them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally I go down to Florida. Yeah. I go down to Florida in the wintertime and I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and people are wearing like, you know, winter coats and everything. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Okay. Anyway, how's that banter? <laughs> that was great. That was good banter. I want your coffee, man. I, I already drank my coffee. It's like not two just hours any ago. ordinary coffee. It looks good. So this is influenced by a, uh, a coffee company and, uh, okay. and, and, uh, oddly enough, and and coincidentally enough, uh, they uh, I found them in Florida, <laughs> um, and it is uh, it is four shots of espresso topped okay. up, topped off with a pour over of Sumatra, and then oh. just a a little bit of uh, vanilla almond milk creamer. Interesting, and uh, which gives it that layer. I really like that. Yeah. I think you might be able to see it there if you look. No, I can see it. It's you know? cool. And uh, and I like the layer because you get this like uh, kind of a transition of different flavor as you go mm -hmm. to the bottom if you don't stir it up, which I like that. So the the drink changes with every sip. It's a little bit different every time. So it's it's you know I kind of like. Well, that's it. very cool. Yeah, yeah. If you I'll you have know, to try that sometime. You can just sort of like kind of transcend with the drink until it's done. Like that. Now you have a special coffee maker that you make two different kinds of coffee in, or well, how does that work? I do pour overs. I've got like this little. Uh, oh, when you say pour over, so you mean like the filter and yeah. you pour the water through the. Okay, yeah, okay. pour hot water through that, and got then we've got an espresso maker and and to do the espresso with. I'm gonna start getting creative, but the thing is, <laughs> I I make my coffee so early in the morning, like five thirty in the morning uh six at the latest that i don't i i barely have the brain power to assemble the actual oh, coffee yeah. well you gotta make drink it you gotta make <laughs> one coffee first before you attempt something like this so this re right. this requires at least having one coffee beforehand so yeah maybe on a sunday like a, that sounds like i've already had my coffee now i can make some coffee coffee yeah. <laughs> so, so what are we really talking about today doc <laughs> well i i don't exactly know where it was going to go i had an idea in my head but uh it was related to and i don't remember the exact title but it was related to uh rehearsing and mm -hmm. um and preparing prior to coming into the studio and then i posed the question well what if uh the intent is to uh, come in and and record uh improvis improvisation and right. uh you know where you know that you're going to have changes and and uh i'm sure that you have like rehearsed the changes and things like that but where you don't want the solos and and such to to be rehearsed, you want them to be spontaneous, you know, and uh, improv on, uh, you know, in the moment. And yeah. um, and I think there's a couple different levels of preparedness coming into the studio for whatever your intent is, uh, you know, and and that's really just like an artistic choice of, of what it is that sure. you're looking to go for. But that was kind of my take on our topic. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing, and. Um... And I've had some I've had some interesting discussions this week with people about production, studio production, preparedness, um, live recording versus studio recording. So I'm prepared to go any direction with this. Yeah, I mean, funny. I kind of get where the where it's coming from. It's it's like don't waste your money going to the studio if you're not ready to sure. go into the studio. And yeah. uh, you know, so if if because uh, you're wasting everybody's time and the engineer's time, you're wasting money you know, other people in the band or, right. or studio musicians or whatever, you know, there's a, the right thing to do is to be prepared for what it is you're going in to, to do, you know? Yeah. And that's true. I mean, that's true even of a, of a home or project studio where you're not necessarily paying for time, but you know, time is money. And if you're sitting there noodling away, coming up with something when everybody else was expecting to record their own parts, you know, they've, they've budgeted time and, 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 uh, you know, busy people 
don't like to sit around when they've allocated a certain amount of time, you know, and, and wait for something to happen. So, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there's the situations where like a other bandmates or a producer might be going, what if, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. saying, let's try this or whatever. And we're in the studio situation recording, but, but ideas arose out of something that happened and, right. and we want to uh, try it, you know, and that's, that's different. And that kind of, that's, again, that's an artistic choice in the moment, you know, and those, if someone's going, I would really like to try this idea out. What do you think? You know, and if you get a consensus of, yeah, let's go for that, then I don't think there's any problem there. Um, no, that's super valid, especially, yeah. you know, in a scenario where it's not complete or you want to try a different take. And especially if you have a producer going, you know what, that's great, but can we try it this way? And that's not the same as coming into the studio unprepared. That's more like being in the moment and going, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired to, to try something a little different and see how it goes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that kind of bridges that improv thing, you know, where maybe, yeah. maybe you didn't come in for, uh, with the intent of we're going to do improv, but, but maybe that artistically just sort of blooms during that process. So, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't know why my mind always seems to go to like lead guitarists when you talk about improvisation. I mean, it can go for a vocal arrangement, it can go for a drum fill, but um, for some reason, when talking about improvising in the studio, I always think of a lead guitar like improvising a solo for some yeah. reason. Well, I think maybe it's because it's normally over melody, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, but that could be bass players or or anybody who takes a sure. melody. It could be the drummer, um, which if you think about it, and I, and I always have is that the uh, if you listen and to the good drummers who have taken the time to tune their drums and mm-hmm. th- there's a melody uh mm-hmm. in drum lines if you listen right. for it and uh and oftentimes they're tuning up with other instruments or into the key of the song you know and uh and there's actually a motif of of melody that goes into the toms and snare and things like that so i think anybody can take improv yeah mm-hmm. but it's generally in the context of taking a solo i think you know yeah. over other people vamping and things a like solo that. or a riff or a fill or an ad lib yeah i mean I, I feel like that that's best done um after the bed is pretty much agreed upon or laid down or you know all the changes have been written and and everything is more or less set it's kind of like that whole you know you got to know the rules before you break them kind of thing it's like you can't you know, unless you're, unless you've agreed to write the song in the studio, you know, everything kind of has to be in its place. And then there's room for improvisation. I mean, I love, I love when an outro of a song kind of takes it in a new direction. Yeah. Well, you know, in the context, in the 90s, I, I think it may be a genre context contextual as well, because mm-hmm. I think in terms of a, a jazz trio or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, they're coming in potentially you know, knowing all the changes and knowing the melody of the song of which most times is alluded to, you know, in the improvisation or, you know, they loosely play the melody or or at least, you know, they might play it like right on, you know, exactly like the first time through and then, then go off and improv through that melody following, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, we're prepared. We know the song, but we're going to, do spont uh spontaneous things and who knows what's going to happen we're not rehearsing for that we're going to that's going to be uh something is just going to occur uh, you know through the right. art of improvisation and that's you know i i keep leaning over to that side but i think it's absolutely okay and i think that's one of the cooler artistic i mean it, it's it, it's it's why why do we play 
in order yeah. to uh, play something of, of our own, of our own art that comes out of it, you know? Um, right, right. So I think improvisation is really cool because that's what that is. But I think that improvisation in and of itself is an art form and it's a practiced thing, which kind of is, might sound yes. counter counterintuitive, but you have to learn how to improv and you have to rehearse to improv, you know? Um, right. Uh, so there it's really, um, it's, it's not easy. It's not just coming out and playing ideas and, but it's, it's actually making it work with, uh, uh, with the song that you're playing and everything. So, right. I mean, you got to know your scales and your keys and you, and we're talking about really, we're talking about variations on a theme, not coming up with something completely out of the blue, right? You have, you kind of have riffs in your pocket and you have your, your, your scales and your modes in your pocket. And, and you kind of, I, I assume, and I'm, I'm, I've watched this, but I've not participated in that level of improvisation. Um, you know, growing, grow, growing up with my, my kids going to um, jazz bands and jazz festivals for, for several years. Um, and I, I think that it's a challenge and a fun thing to see where you can take something and bring it back home or, or lead, lead your group in a, in a place maybe they didn't quite see it or challenge them to follow you along on a little journey. Yeah. That's a, that's a musical aside. I mean, there's concepts like target notes, you know, and as you're, you're progressing through the, the song and the changes, um, there's, uh, there's notes that, uh, that are part of the melody or that are, uh, mm -hmm. or of that are distinctive to that song that you want to make sure that are hit on time. So in your, uh, improvisation, you'll have in mind where these target notes are and when they occur and you mm -hmm. work your way through whatever riffs you're working, it could be our, our you know, uh, combinations of all kinds of things, uh, you know, scales and arpeggios and uh, uh, what, you know, modes and, um, you know, all that type of uh, uh, theory based stuff. Um, but to a point where you're not really thinking of it that way, you're, you're moving through melodically in context with a purpose, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you know, whether it be target notes or, how uh, it's tension and resolve. Um, how do you, mm -hmm. uh, uh, how do you take the listener, you know, to an edge? And then when do you want to bring them, you know, back home again, you know, with, the, right. uh, you know, by hitting the root note or, or, or something that, that resolves nicely uh, or leads leading tones into the next, you know, may, maybe your way tense on, you know, when uh, a change resolves and it's changing keys, but uh, you happen to be, you know, on a, uh, on a, yeah, it could be the root or whatever, but of the, of the next chord in the change, you're there ahead of time right. and it, re and the changes resolve into you, you know? So there's, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it, you know, there's, there's tons of things and those are not necessarily rehearsed. They're practiced, but it may, yeah. you know, but not in the same context. And so it's, you know, improvisation is not like memorization note no. for note here. I'm going to play this the you, same way again. You just know your stuff, man, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and when you get to a certain level, you're able to not really think about things in certain terms of how you practice them. It's more of how you play things, you know, and, right. um, you hear that stuff in your head and you know where you want to go. And, and I think that's valid for jamming live on stage with your jazz trio as it is for coming in and improvising guitar solo over a, over a bridge or a, or a, you know, instrumental section. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. But back to preparedness, if you're not working in that context, then you got, you got to know your songs. You got, you've got to know all the parts and, you know, in, 
this may be something that's going to be need to be played the same way every time. After you right. record it, you're need to go, <laughs> going to go out and play it live exactly the way that you recorded it on the album because that's what your fans are going to expect. So, so this stuff needs to be whether that doesn't mean it has to be completely rehearsed when you go in, but you better learn it exactly the way that you played it afterward, yeah. you know, so that you can, you know, then play it live, uh, uh, you know, and, and meet those expectations. And there's lots of songs like that, you know? Sure. I think about that a lot about, you know, you come up with your, your Kirk Hammett or your Tony Iommi and you come up with a improvised guitar solo on the spot in the studio. And then they like, that's great. Let's lay that down move on to the next thing. And then you have to go to rehearsal. You're like, damn, I got to learn my own thing that I made up yeah. <laughs> note for note because people expect that. There's a, there's a, yeah, there's a, I, this is the first thing that always comes to mind when we talk about this stuff is um, there's a Black Sabbath song and I believe it's on uh, Paranoid and it may be, it may be War Pigs, but they're, they had uh, Tony improvise some guitar solos in the studio and they were, you know, they only, they recorded the whole album in like, you know, 12 hours, but um, they had him run through a couple of times and he came up with two different, completely different guitar solos that, as you say, you know, they went along with the melody, they went over the, you know, they, they were in the same wheelhouse, but they weren't the same. And then they just put them both in the song and panned one right and panned one left. And they're just, it sounds like two people having a, like a riff war and it's, it, it works. Um, and I, I don't think that's common, but uh, it's very interesting to kind of hear. That's like a, a, a perfect example of being able to hear two completely different improvised solos from the studio um, that they left in the song and just kind of hear how somebody interpreted that passage two different ways. Yeah. I, I think that might be war pigs and That's, yeah, I think it's war pigs. It seems like I saw something on that where Tony Iommi was, uh, was talking about that process. I don't know if it was on YouTube or um, it was some, whatever, some video source. I don't know where it was. And, uh, and I believe he was definitely, um, talking about war pigs in that one mm -hmm. i'll have to go listen yeah, to it i'm again pretty now. sure listen i'm pretty it. sure that's the one where there's just like one solo off to the right and one off to the left and they're different solos and I, I, it almost felt like they couldn't make up their minds so they just put them both in <laughs> you know and just because it was a kind of like a cacophony but it all sounded, it sounded yeah i just this one no but i really like this other one okay we can use, <laughs> but i like that first one you know they're like, well, we only got 10 minutes to finish this one. We've got to move on to the next if I could hear, studio time. If, if I could do a, an impersonation of Ozzy, I could hear him saying, <laughs> you know, use them both. And uh, Right. It's just use them both. Move on. <laughs> so, what? If, if you're going to come into the studio and do cover songs, you know, I mean, that's that's. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but in those cases, you may be making them your own. Right. And I have heard that. And you kind of wonder, is that on purpose or is that because they forgot the song? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you need to, yeah, if you're going to make a cover song, your own, you need to deliberately like change it and make it your own style just to make sure that people don't think that you forgot, the, forgot how it really goes. <laughs> yeah. But those, I mean, I think they have to have something about them that, that ties it to the original in some way, you know, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of covers done and uh, you recognize them as covers, you know, it, what's the, mm -hmm. you know, I guess there's, uh, I can't think off the top of my head of a cover that I didn't recognize as a cover other than yeah. the fact that I just wasn't familiar with the original version in the first place, you know? Right. But I think more often than not, there's, there's 
something that that ties it that makes it the cover you know um well there's there are some that you don't know are cover songs because the original song was obscure and it was it you know you never heard it until you heard the cover you know like queen's right gonna get close to you i didn't know that was a cover until and, that, and it was turned out to be some obscure like canadian artist uh like natalie Imbruglia's torn as a cover i mean there's there's certain songs that became famous that you don't realize were covered because they're covers of songs that you never would have heard if they weren't yeah where the where the cover actually became more famous than the original did right. exactly um but i yeah i think that if you're gonna do a cover and uh, i always think of um there, there's a there's an example of a song <laughs> i almost hate the name but if you're gonna make a cover and you're not a cover band like it's one thing being a bar band right you're playing covers for people to you know drink beer and dance to right and the point is to kind of make it sound like the original because everybody knows that it's not your song but if you're an established band doing a cover song it should sound like something other than the original song otherwise what's the point right 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 yeah and i think there's kind of a delineation there and you know in the in the bar band there's there's covers and there's originals and the, right. and the covers are done for the most part as closely to the originals as they're capable of doing right and that's so that uh people uh, you know the patrons there are uh recognize the songs or songs that uh that people like that's what draws people into the bar uh right. you know or into the venue you know and it which uh, the more people a band can bring in the more money the bar <laughs> makes and the right. the more the band gets invited back you know and right. and gets to play <laughs> so and and i work with live sound i, I work with uh, uh, a kind of a heavy metal uh early uh, mid to late 80s and early 90s a uh, hard rock and metal band mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah it's you know and that's what uh, people are going to listen to a version of a song that they recognize there you know right and you know and that's why there's lots of different uh genres of cover bands you don't you don't have a heavy metal band necessarily um well you do but uh uh you know playing a bunch of country tunes but you know it, not to say that doesn't happen and it does uh but uh the the gig is kind of marketed as heavy metal band or whatever you know sure you get someone like Stuart ham playing bass out there and he does everything you know he he goes through, yeah. he goes through every style in his uh you know in his uh performance type of thing so that it's kind of doesn't yeah, relate but you come to, to see I'm him because he's Stuart ham and you know yeah. he can do that yeah. right yeah <laughs> that's the fun of it but yeah, it's, it tends to be kind of like genre specific. I've sent, I've sung in a, a local dad band and mostly like seventies funky or metal, you know, there's some hard rock stuff in there, eighties, but, um, yeah, they kind of keep to a, what they can play kind of yeah. and what the crowd likes, you know, they're not going to play obscure stuff that the crowd's never heard before the crowd needs to dance and sing along. Yeah. And with their, you know, like a heavy metal band and stuff, but, but I mean, there is some, I don't often see dancing at. <laughs> these gigs moshing maybe moshing maybe but not too often a lot of you know uh, head banging head banging you know and uh fist pumping fist pumping drinks and <laughs> oh hitting the mic and uh <laughs> that happens live too mic bumping <laughs> sure yeah i don't know um did we get it I don't know. I don't know that we really established what, what it was we were talking about. Preparation for studio improvisation. I think it was what we were talking about there. Yeah. And uh, well, it was kind of like, you know, be prepared for what it is you're coming in to do. Yeah. Like us. We we didn't really come in that prepared for what we were going to do. That's because we're, we nail the solo? That's because we're improvisers. <laughs> Did we nail the solo? I don't know.
<laughs> we don't have a producer to tell us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's do another take. You know, sometimes <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Sometimes we have a topic and and uh and we nail it. And we nail it. And sometimes we don't have a topic and we nail it. <laughs> sometimes we're just a couple of dudes drinking coffee and yeah. And uh other times. Yeah, on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Other times we run out of time a little bit earlier than what we had hoped. <laughs> That's true too. Um, and then other times we run out of content earlier than what we had hoped. Right. That does happen. <laughs> so we talk about coffee and banter more. We talk about coffee. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, I have purchased a new uh, Wi-Fi extender. I'm using it for the first time today. Really? So I'm, I'm hoping that has made a difference in the quality of my zoom video. Yeah, actually, the the video has not uh, stuttered at all. I've heard just a little bit of packet drop in the audio, but that doesn't matter because you're recording your own. And right. yeah, I think it's good. Um, well, I'll probably hear it in the YouTube videos because I use the Zoom audio for that. But right, uh, right. Um, no, we. I think it's uh, much better than it has been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a, I did a speed test before we started just to make sure. Right on. So yeah. Be prepared if you're going to be in the studio. Don't waste everybody's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt, what Matt is saying is don't don't, ma don't waste my time. Please be prepared before you come in. Okay. <laughs> I don't record anybody live here. No, I, I think this topic came up because he's like kind of peeved about something. So. No, I've just had some discussions like, with people. These these topics don't just come out of thin air, you know. I mean, they, this was on our they come up for a reason. This was on our Trello board from two years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking two. Maybe I had something in two mind. Two years then. ago, you had like you know, <laughs> who were you? Who were you working with two years ago? Let's see. Yeah, I do want to talk about producers and production at some point, but not today. Producers and production. Yeah. In episode three zero nine, there you have it. There you have it. Well, everybody, uh, get out there and practice <laughs> before you get in the studio to nail that solo. <laughs> Listen to what he says. <laughs> right, i'm not going to tell you what it. to do you can do whatever the heck you want you know if you want to go in and and completely like oh you only fly. do a finished songs that's why <laughs> you're like well this is the song yeah because i <laughs> it sounds good how'd it go in the studio yeah it took like six months to get that to you you know <laughs> that that does happen yeah that does happen and you don't know what pain people go through and the other thing is, and from my point of view, I don't, you know, you send something to me and I kind of have to go, well, so is this, <laughs> is this how it's supposed to sound? Or um, this is what you're sending me. So I have to assume that this is, you know, what you meant it to sound like. I know there's a balance there. That may be a topic for another day. <laughs> what about, what about being prepared going into your studio to mix where you're receiving, you know, you're not recording, but, right. but what, what can you do? ahead of time coming into a mix to be prepared and ready for receiving the recorded files. Um, train your ears, listen to some, listen to some professionally produced and recorded music, um, get in the right headspace, put your phone away, <laughs> <laughs> like get rid of distractions, make sure you have a, you know, block of time and can focus on the task at hand. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's important, and this could go for like, other studio stuff too. Is just just to make sure that all the technical stuff's out of the way, 
you got your doll and everything is saved and everything, all of your electronics are, you know, up and running and, and working and, and uh, you don't want to have anything get in the way of that creativity. You don't want to have to jump out of creative mode to go into technician mode. Cause that's always a bummer. You know, it's like breaking your guitar string on stage, you know, but you know, the mental equivalent of that having to, you know, your, your, your dog crashes or you have too many windows open. So it's running slow or, you know, or your Wi-Fi craps out or, you know, there's any number of things, but you can kind of prepare your computer and your session and your space um, ahead of time to make sure that you're kind of optimally prepared to sit down and do a task without interruptions. I think that's, that's the preparation part, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that moment that, where you set that, up that, your that session, training, um, you know, having, I know you do. And I do as well, um, is, is having templates to set up your session. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, I find those very important. Yeah. Don't get confused with templates to, to mix your session. This is to set up your session and, and just to have everything, uh, created and ready for you. Where like, uh, your, uh, your DAW sessions up, the file names created the, uh, mm. any of the plugins that uh, you always use are disengaged, but in a ready state to use where you can get to them quickly. And, uh, you know, you've got, you may not have your tracks set up, but you have like some defaults or something like that. Cause you don't really know what your tracks are until you start bringing in, uh, your recording files, you know, but, but having, I, I'm certain that, you know, you can have like, uh, automation. If you drop a track in that it, it automatically sets up a track name, a number of colors, uh, you know, you might have, uh, it might have a drum template track uh, that, it, you know, that applies whatever track colors and things like that, that you want. And, you know, and so have those things. So you're not spending a lot of time, you know, getting all of your, your setup and layout done. And uh, cause that's a big part of whenever, and I haven't done it in a while mixing wise. Um, yeah. but setting it up and organizing where all the tracks are, you know, cause I, I, I like to have things in a certain order. And when I'm looking Same looking at it left to right and, you know, even down to the individual instruments and a drum kit, I like to have those laid out in a certain way, Same. a certain color with certain icons on them named a certain way, you know, spending time actually naming the tracks. And if they're not well-named from which they often are not, uh, they often are not. And sometimes, sometimes it's clear and everybody has their own notation, but sometimes I do have to audition something to find out what the heck it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, what is this? Kyle three. I don't know what this is. <laughs> is that a guitar? Yeah. Is it a background vocal? Yeah. And, and some, some of what you're talking about is having a process in place and it's, it's good to develop a process that works for you that you can use repeatedly. And so that you do know, okay, here's a drum track. It goes on track 12 and it's green and it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and prepping your file so that it's the right, key and the right tempo and the right um resolution 24 96 whatever your you know whatever your files are i mean some does will say hey this is a 96k file do you want me to change the project or change the file but you know having a process in place and some of that stuff you know people have some people have the luxury of being able to hand that off to an assistant say here do the prep and i'll do the mix right yeah they'll do all of the color coding and the file importing and the renaming and all that stuff but very often I will do that as two separate tasks. Like I can do all that setup and stuff like 
uh, you know, watching football or whatever. I don't have to necessarily even listen to it. I just import all the tracks, color code them, rename them, get all of them level matched. And I don't even really have to be listening to them to do that. And that's one process. That's the pre-process. That's the setup. And that's the part of getting ready. And that way I can just sit down and just mix the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The only time you have to really listen for that setup part is if it's not well named and you need to figure out and identify exactly. what, what yeah, is yeah. that. But yeah. Yeah. So even, so yeah, even, yeah, even if you're not laying down a guitar solo, even for the other processes, the recording, the mixing, the mastering, there's a, there's a preparedness that you can, you can put into place. And that's um, hopefully a repeatable systemic process that you may, not have, you may have to think about if you haven't done it for a while but otherwise it's a repeatable process that you should be able to just kind of okay yep here's my prep <laughs> yep and your daw uh, you know will help you a lot with that type of thing um like one example that, that came to my mind is i have i have a master track or the the, the two bus effects monitoring mm-hmm. and uh or monitoring effects and those are actually they're not actually part of the um the tracks or the actual two bus itself actually a level above the two bus and okay and so it monitors the two bus and you yeah. can apply effects to it but they don't get recorded if you were to bounce them or something like that um oh, okay yeah it, it for for me it's a it's a monitoring bus and it's where i put my metering and everything and it's global it's for every project i never have to set that up again i just set it up once and it works oh, okay. for every project it's really cool i know you have a solution like that for logic where you have mm-hmm. some additional tracks that you make in the way that you yeah, route them yeah it's built into reaper which is kind of a cool thing uh to have that it's also a place where you can audition things on the master bus without putting them on the master bus um if you want and mm. uh but again it doesn't record on the effects bus so if if you have uh, an effects on the on the monitoring effects bus then you won't actually bounce that so uh, oh that's really but it's a way that you could test something if you wanted to but you could do that easy enough on your master bus too so but it is super useful for just having the same set of uh, of all the metering and analytical tools uh and just keep them there globally because like I said, uh, you set it up once and then it's available for all projects. Yeah. I really like that concept. And I, I stumbled on that or, or developed that a long time ago, but however you manifest that in your own recording software, I really like the idea of having um, what I call in my own dog fake two bus, where you have all of your actual master bus effects and then having a separate uh, master out that has your metering on it. That doesn't have any effects on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, that's right. Your fake two bus thing. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It's not global. Like, like it is, it sounds like a reaper. It is a, like a per project. So I've built that into my templates, but, uh, yeah, it just seems really clean and I like having it that way. so the one, I just know that the master bus is only meters and nothing that's going to get yeah. printed. Not that it wouldn't in my case, because if I activated something like I have a, I have an EQ that I call bad speaker. Uh, it's a template. I mean, a, a preset that I've made called Bad Speaker, and it basically monitor it mimics the uh, the curve of a of an oratone. And I flipped that on to make sure that I can still hear the, the song. Product. If I left that on, it would print that way. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't leave it. On. I also yeah. See, that would be that that perfect for for the um, uh, monitoring effects bus. 
um, mm-hmm. where that would just be something that, you know, cause that's like a meter and that's a, or a tool that you use to check and monitor, uh, uh, right. your mixes with, you know, and you would do that for every project. So having it on some type of, uh, reusable, you know, whether it's in a yeah, template yeah. or, or in, uh, in an effects monitoring bus, like I have, um, would make a lot of sense for that. Yeah, I'm going to see if if there is such a, a thing as a global track that you can use in Logic. There may be. Yeah, I don't know. Usually I've there been is. Using it for a decade, know? and and I there's you know I, it's like Photoshop is so deep that yeah <laughs> there's, there's stuff I've never touched in there. <laughs> Even though I use it almost every day. Yeah, they call it um, uh, they call it effects monitoring, mm-hmm. and it's not really it's kind of a track, but it's not it's mm-hmm. it's it doesn't show up as a track. Um, oh, okay. It, uh, but it, it shows up as an effects bus and, hmm. and it's located above the master bus. If that makes sense. Yeah. But nothing, every, well, nothing and everything routes through it. If you know what I mean, you don't have to tell, right. you don't have to like actually manually route to it. It just is there. Um, and you know, at the very end of the chain and it's always at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But setting up, yeah. But setting up your, your recording software ahead of time that counts as prep studio prep yeah so there be prepared whether you're be recording prepared. or or the recordist there you go or the mixer <laughs> or the mastering engineer but you know either way <laughs> whatever you're doing be prepared so that you can sit down and yeah. do it one of the things i like about <laughs> about mastering is that my my time from receiving files to set up session and actually listening to music is is short and you know, that, that, that process doesn't take a long time because there's not all the tracks set up and everything like that. I think that's one of the, yeah, I like that. Cause you're reducing friction. You're reducing yeah. the, the speed bumps that get in your way of the actual work. And, and I think that's really important no matter what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, um, I tell people who want to practice guitar more, you got to leave your guitar out on a stand. You can't put it in a case and put it in your closet and think that you're going to practice it all the time. Cause you're just, you're, you're putting obstacles. You're, you're, you're creating friction by putting it away and having to get it back out. I mean, if you have toddlers or cats or something, you know, it may be harder, but <laughs> yeah, on your wall. So, well, anyway. Hey, we better call it. That was a good one. I'm glad we, uh, yeah. we kind of saved it there at the end. So you kind of saved it there at the end. Yeah. I'll <laughs> cut out that middle bit. <laughs> so make it tighten that up. Well, if you do, let um, me know. And I can uh, do the same to the video if we need to, but, um, all right. So, Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening and viewing and, um, uh, hope you enjoyed the show and hope you have a fabulous week. Cheers. Yeah. Go out and make some music. Have a great time and uh, see you soon. All right. See you later. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>